Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. My name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 58 of the No Encore Music Podcast. I'm hungover and I'm joined by Cullum O'Regan. What's up, man? I'm hungover. You are, and you're also uh, considerably less hairy yeah, than man. you were last time. I'm sorry. not a hairy yeah. kind of guy. You've been scalped. I got a buzz cut. You look hard as nails. I, I tell you, listen, listener, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you come from, what you believe in, there is no more liberating feeling than getting your head shaved. It's beautiful. I encourage everyone to do it. At least once in their life. Not all at once, because then it would look like I'm starting some kind of weird mob. <laughs> I'm not doing that. But all I'm saying is, yeah, get your head shaved. It's a lot of fun. Craig, get your head shaved. Uh, okay, I might do that. This summer, <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, listen, I've got something to say. Okay. Uh, something went down last week. Uh, I think the listener knows, if they were listening to last week's episode. Um, I just feel like we're a bit of a podcast divided at the moment. I mean, there was a lot of wrestling talk. There's a whole wrestling faction which is the two of you. <laughs> and then there's me. And I, I lashed out towards the end of the podcast and I said something that I didn't quite mean. Um, I was a bit disparaging, David, at one point about um, your track record with women. <laughs> <laughs> so I've written a statement. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> right. Okay. Ready for this? Written, you've actually written a statement. All right. In the six years I've been acquainted with David... I've come to know him of a steadfast nature, committed, generous, and warm. A romantic he may be, which naturally brings its own tumult. Tumult, is that how you read? Mm -hmm. Yeah, tumult, okay. Um, But rest assured, listeners, that uh, in all his dealings with the fairer sex, he has been open and true. The blame where it lies, lies solely with everyone else. (laughs) And needless to say, when things do kind of run their course, David has the last laugh. From the desk of Crayfish Patrick, April 27, 2017. There you go. Thanks, man. There you go. 
I just <laughs> had to put it out there. I appreciate that. Definitely wrote that. Definitely oh. wasn't coerced into saying that. Cullum, did you have a hand in this? Absolutely none. <laughs> okay. No. Right, we're back on track. Okay, All so right. uh, in the music news this week, <laughs> as we attempt to recover from that strangeness that I nonetheless... Start with a bomb shot. Yeah, I, I'm not sure this is getting any less strange, to be perfectly honest, as two soul legends get upset uh, and libel... A bit like me and Dave. <laughs> two soul legends. Two soul legends, indeed, yeah. Um, but libel accusations uh, being thrown uh, by Aretha Franklin towards <laughs> Diane Warwick... Um, regarding the funeral of Whitney Houston, where she apparently uh, uttered the almost incredible comments that uh, she was there when she actually wasn't, <laughs> and that she was the late singer's godmother when she wasn't. Yeah, libelous, I believe. Um, <laughs> Rita's aired her grievances by sending a lengthy fax, which is That's brilliant. So That's excellent, yeah. There's so many things to like about this. I mean, it's such a diva feud that... It, it has its roots in Whitney Houston's funeral. I mean, it's just like... Um, but it seems like Aretha Franklin just, like, holds a grudge. I was looking at some stuff, and over the years, she's been pretty, like, snarky with people. Like, Patti LaBelle, it was some, like, she was singing at some awards thing, and she was coming out and walking through the crowd, and Patti LaBelle, like, puts out her hand and tries to grab her, and Aretha Franklin just looks at her and just keeps walking. She's just having none yeah, of it. just completely blanks her. Um... But yeah, I don't know. There's it's it quite much to do about nothing. It seems a bit mean, girls. To be perfectly <laughs> yeah, honest, very much so. yeah. Have you seen uh, the episode of American Dad where it's either Patty Labelle or else he names someone like her, Patty Lavelle or whatever, and like he meets, like he's talking to her, and like Stan, being the whitest man alive, says to her, he's like, "Miss Lavelle, I'm such a huge fan. To me, uh, your music is just like one long song. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite insult ever." <laughs> So basically, okay, with this story, it it does turn out that um, Dionne Warwick got up and announced Aretha Franklin. So she didn't just kind of like, she wasn't going around saying, oh yeah, Aretha's here. She was just like, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Aretha Franklin. <laughs> Throwing a bit of shade, like. Yeah, and then she was just like, um, when it you know became apparent that Aretha wasn't there because she had swollen feet, apparently. All right. She couldn't make it. Uh, Dion, there. Dion went, oh, she really cares about Whitney, um, you know, like she was her godmother. So, bit catty. Right. Yeah, that's great. Imagine that coming in by fax machine and reading one line at a time. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, what? Uh, come on. It's <laughs> my impression of a fax machine. Yeah. Oh, very much on point right there, Dave. Uh, Warwick's representative, the spectacularly named Angelo Ellerby, mm. has yeah. responded to Franklin's comments by saying, Warwick will not dignify a response to the statement made by Aretha Franklin. That is a response, though, isn't it? Yeah, they were at the Tribeca Film Festival last week together, and um, Aretha says that um, Dion came up and said, she said, um, give me a hug, and I said, oh, hell no, you couldn't be serious. So, yeah. Give me a hug. Give me a hug. I know I go to all my rivals in bars and say, give me a hug. Some it's easy, the easiest way to diffuse tension. I if you're a diva, that's what you're going to do, though, isn't it? Yeah, I guess, demand it. But uh, there's other unhappiness in the world, <laughs> in the world. Of, of music. Uh, apparently we're getting a Madonna film, and she wants nothing to do with it, and claims that it's all falsities and nonsense. Uh, Brett Ratner, who you'll know from such spectacular classic films as Rush Hour and X-Men The Last Stand... Yeah. Is behind this, supposedly. Uh, it was going to be called, or is going to be called, Blonde Ambition, covering her early career in, quote, and this quote, like, is kind of grim, but I'm going to read it in, like, a trailer, you know, zany oh, please, yeah, yeah, get, 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 get your voice on there, please. <clears throat> okay. The biopic covering the pop star's early career in a business that treats women badly while also dealing with a burgeoning love life and the first hints of fame. That was very good. I'd go watch that. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. Solely from that. 
Maybe we can underscore it with some jaunty tunes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's criticised it via Instagram, which is the way to criticise things in the modern era that we live in. Not facts. No, no, no. M- <laughs> Madonna's gone one better. Sent a, <laughs> modern she's, kind of diva. She sent a singing telegram to Universal Studios. <laughs> she says, nobody knows what I know and what I've seen, which sounds like uh, Rucker Harris in the Blade Runner right oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't know my life? <laughs> only I can tell my story. And uh, she, you know, invoked the, the, the dreaded snake emoji. Yeah. Um, it kind of sounds like maybe she was she approached him and was like you're gonna cast me in the role of Madonna right and they were like no no but yeah, like, because that acting career isn't really taking but off I was about her, to say it? yeah I mean like nobody can tell her story she had a chance to tell a story once and came out with swept away oh, so, that's right yeah you know, yeah yeah, yeah. Which swept, I, swept away her marriage with Guy Ritchie well. rather did she, and, and she mo- told the story of Evita quite well didn't she <laughs> no, she was in a basic instinct knockoff with, with Willem Dafoe called Body of oh, Evidence. Oh yeah, she popped up as a fencing Camelot. instructor in Die that. Another Day. Yeah, while providing the title track that people hate, but I thought was all right. I thought it was okay. Yeah, no, dreadful. She's stuff. also in A League of Their Own and Desperately Seeking Susan. She's got an okay filmography, I suppose. Yeah, really. Well, it's, it's, not terrible. it's not terrible. Okay, all right. I'm not saying it's great. Yeah, my favourite bit of this statement is where, well, statement, I say, caption, uh, <laughs> is where she says, lies have no legs. Lies have no legs. It's true. Mm-hmm. They don't. Um, but they have hips, according to Shakira. Um, <laughs> only hips, perhaps. <laughs> no Wait, legs, on, no hips upper bodies. D- hips don't lie. Oh, well, so- her specific hips don't lie. Yeah. But she, so, uh, you know, she's obviously then saying that other hips do other lie. Hips I'm sorry, lie. Okay, you're correct. I'm, yes. I, 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 I'm making an executive decision to stop this. Okay. We're going to move do, on. What would hips be lying about? I don't know, like measurements or something. Okay, all right. <laughs> How much cake the person had the night before? I don't fucking know. Can't lie about that, mate. Little well, show. Well, someone who didn't lie, or was whoever wrote a Great Simpsons gag about, oh, yeah. about Cypress Hill. Yeah. How's that for a link? Really, really good. It's really Continue. good. Cypress Hill and the London Symphony Orchestra have uh, tentatively, I would say, agreed to collaborate 21 years after they appeared together in an episode of The Simpsons. Before we go any further, can we actually just hear The Simpsons clip, which is truly beautiful? Hello, bands. Who is playing with the London Symphony Orchestra? Come on, people. Somebody order the London Symphony Orchestra. Possibly while high. Cypress Hill, I'm looking in your direction. Hey, man, did we order an orchestra? What's up with this orchestra, man? Where'd the orchestra come from? I don't, I don't know, man. You gotta do something. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we think we did. Uh, do you know Insane in the Brain? We mostly know classical but we could give it a shot. This I like. Yes, I'll go you one better from the same episode. Let's have a listen to this. Hey, Cannonball. I like your statement. When life takes a cheap shot at you, you stay on your ground. Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. Homie Simpson, smiling politely. You know, my kids think you're the greatest. And thanks to your gloomy music, they finally stopped dreaming of a future I can't possibly provide. Well, we try to make a difference. And we've got to have some Frampton, right? Do you feel like we do Springfield? Yeah! Do you, wait, what's this? Do you? Do you feel? Do, do you feel... Oh, come on. Do you feel? God. Homer Simpson wrecks my pig. Cypress Hill steals my orchestra. And Sonic Youth's in my cooler. 
Get out of there, you kids! Okay, well, we just watched the episode? <laughs> right, Still yeah, so, commentary. I mean, they both featured in that episode in, in, in comical fashion, of course. And now, uh, via Twitter, you know, one step up from Instagram and two steps up from a fax machine, there has been some, you know, some good back and good natured back and forth. I'm, yeah, not, sure, I'm not sure this will actually happen, though. No, I don't know. They, the, the band posted the clip, yeah. essentially, or, or the, 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 the uh, dialogue from it, where... You know, they're asked, uh, somebody ordered London Symphony Orchestra, possibly, possibly while high. <laughs> and Classic yeah, Cypress Hill gag. And straight away, London Symphony Orchestra replied with the dialogue from the show. And they were like, hey, we should really do something. And yeah, the orchestra said they're down. I think they'll do it. This is like the age of orchestras doing gimmicky stuff. Oh, big time. Yeah. Oh, like Trinity Orchestra doing the Red Hot Chili Peppers? That's not a gimmick. That's art. That's <laughs> Pete Tong and the Heritage Orchestra and etc etc yeah. looking for ways to be relevant um, And w- but what's more if it does happen I mean I always remember that little clip from the start of Insane the Memory and I'm like god that works that actually sounds phenomenal yeah it sounds amazing what a song do you reckon Cypress Hill's career has been like hit by the fact that marijuana is now becoming like legal around the world <laughs> like it's kind of their subject matter is being legitimised to the extent that they're no longer cutting edge really a little bit, know, maybe. Maybe they just need to embrace it in a slightly more comical fashion. Maybe I mean, they you do. know, it's maybe not exactly do. taking Action Bronson down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's got us talking about them for the first and probably last time on No Encore. Until, well, until the collaboration happens, at least. Yeah, yeah, in which case, it'll definitely be one of our songs of the week. Hey! It's the he's, songs of the he's week. killing this link game today. <laughs> I'll tell you, Hangover suits me, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, point. Give me a number, Cullum. Oh, number three, please. Okay, back on the show, and with a sexy collaboration, it's Linkin Park. The song is called Good Goodbye. So say goodbye. So, that feels to me, this mm-hmm. feels to me like classic boardroom. Right. Oh, yeah. Who will we get? Let's get Stormzy. He's in right now. And yep. uh, Pusha T is always up for doing some stuff. Yeah. Oh. He wrote the McDonald's jingle. <laughs> what more could you want? Do you think he was top of the list, though? There was a few names crossed. <laughs> so, Linkin Park featuring Stormzy and Pusha T. Yeah. I, I just like saying it. I know. It, it, it rolls off the tongue quite nicely, <laughs> Do you like it? hearing it, though? I don't. Yeah. It's not good. It's, no, it's kind of NSYNC's "Bye Bye Bye," isn't it? Uh, uh, well, actually, I think especially like with the rap inserts, it sounds like the Scripps Hall of Fame. That song they yeah. did, "Will I Am." Oh, that song's terrible. It is, and it's standing in the Hall of Fame, and it has an awful lot in common with this one. I will this say that terrible. they have actually uh, done the right thing with Stormzy though by pulling out most of that stupid pop instrumentation that runs through most of the song and giving them a fairly sparse sort of middle eight yeah he probably section. comes off the best and actually you know we see so many collaborations like this now it kind of works as a piece in that it, it flows well and they're all on message that's but the other thing that I was going to say enjoyable <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean when we see Stormzy popping up so much now you kind of worry that he's going to stray into that territory that we've previously 
kind of complained about Kendrick getting to where he just yeah, yeah. popping up with like nonsensical verses that don't make sense and songs that he really probably shouldn't be a part of. they on. talked this up. They were like, oh, Stormzy's presence on the song is amazing. It's awesome. And it's like, it's not. Well, he definitely raises well, the bar, does, I think. But it's just like, like, he's just talking, like one of his lines is about, now I'm doing a song with Linkin Park. It's like, mm. oh, great. This is the most Linkin Park that, that song was the dream, I've, was it? I've heard, <laughs> to be honest. I'd like, I, I love all the haters online being like, oh, I just want Linkin Park to go back to their, you know, their, their kind of classic <laughs> roots. No, this is what Linkin Park do now. It's like, they've been like this yeah, a lot a longer. Than, yeah. yeah, but they like, never really accuse them of selling out. Well, their last album, they did, like, try and make this big hard rock punk album, oh, yeah. and it was rubbish. Um, like, like, I've got a soft spot for Linkin Park. I think they've got the odd good song in them, but this isn't one of them. And then Mike Shinoda, they have, you know, a contender for a greatest of all time and they're Actually, in the rock I, stakes. Sent, I sent this track to our friend Dave Higgins today and he wrote back and he was like Mike Shinoda as if like Mike Shinoda was talking and he goes Stormzy push you know I got love for you but I'm going to need you to let me flex first yeah Shinoda goat baby <laughs> Shinoda goat baby hey I just got an email about the new Fallout Boy single I guess we'll do that next week wow speaking of bands, to look forward to. bands yeah. that are back I think it might be off <clears throat> okay let's have another number please I'm going to go number one Okay, this is Shabazz Palace's Shine a Light. Very short and sweet little number here with a great use of a sample and uh, a real kind of 70s vibe off it. I, I quite enjoyed this. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. It has, a, it has like a derelict grandeur to it in the sample. It's like it should be playing in some, you know, legal casino underground that yeah. is trying to look a bit classy, but it's just falling apart. It's 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 got a great flow. Um, it's you know it's it's it doesn't outstay its welcome obviously as you said I mean rap wise there's not a huge amount going on but it, the production is great um, and I, I like these guys I um, mean I, it's so short so I, I was going to say I, I, I want to write a short story now in which my lead character is a hard-boiled detective named Derelict Granger <laughs> <laughs> do you know that a friend of mine once uh, was going to put a character into a book that he was writing called Wild Agenda and it Why? Po- he thought better of it. Yeah, thankfully, good move. I kind of like that. W like to be Y L D E. Wild agenda. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> no, it sounds like a really bad wrestler. Is what it does. <laughs> it sounds um, very Martin Amos. Really, actually, yeah. isn't it? London feels gone. This track is like so short. A bit like the main game we won a couple of weeks ago. It's kind of hard to say anything very definitive about what it says. What we're getting on the album, but yeah, like because of the sample. It's important that like you don't you almost don't make it sound fresh, so to speak. You kinda yeah, leave yeah, it yeah. somewhat untouched, as though it's kind of been gathering dust in a corner somewhere, and they've done that really well. And yeah, I mean, like I say, not gonna predict much from the record, but um it's called uh Quasars. Yeah. Born on a gangster star, and it sounds like a bit of a, a it's kind a of cons- concept, concept album, really, album, yeah, yeah, about some dude coming from another planet. Apparently, it's only 35 minutes long, so Dave, you're going to enjoy it. Fantastic. And yeah, it's about this dude, uh, and I wrote this out, he who rides on light, dreamer of the seventh dream, um, kissed eternal by Amish, the sun-scented. So, it sounds interesting. Right-o. I nearly mixed that up with the Dave thing, which would have been... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, also, it's also got, like, Thundercat and Julian Casablancas involved, yeah. and a couple of other heads, I'm interested. so... Thundercat, yeah? Yeah. He's good. He's, he's finally stopped talking about Vera Toomey. <laughs> can you explain that? <laughs> can you possibly explain that? It, it's very difficult. If you can look at a 
nearby cover of Hot Press by chance. Um, there's just this weird thing where Thundercat is talking about Kendrick Lamar and why the Irish <laughs> government is persecuting Yavira Toomey, and I think they just really should have changed the font or moved it a little down a little. It's fucking brilliant. I love it. Uh, yeah, this song is a lot of fun. I quite like it. It's got a real cinematic vibe to it. But as you say, it's very, very short. It doesn't really give much away. But I could see it working as the opening crawl of a concept album. So, yeah. so far I'm with it. Yeah. Let's have another number. Uh, four. Okay, they're back. Everyone's favorite hard rock uh, combo, Heim. The song is called Right Now. And now you're saying that you need me, Saying that you need me, baby. Right now, right now. And now you're saying that you love me, love me, baby. Right now, right now. And now you're saying that you need me, saying that you need me, saying that you need me. Right now. And now you're saying that you need me, baby. And now you're saying that you need me, baby. And now you're saying that you need me. Now, is there anything more cringeworthy than hearing one of Haim at the end of this uh, saying into the studio mic, that's how it's fucking done? Ah, uh, there maybe is. Have you ever seen an interview with them? Uh, actually, no, but Craig Fitzpatrick has. I've been in three of them. In the flesh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, They're lovely girls. Um, lovely and I really, girls. <laughs> they all have lovely bottoms. They're, they're properly, like, lovely people in terms of, you know those people when you just arrive to an interview and they're immediately, like, acting like they're your best friend yeah. and you've known them. They're actually really, really nice. Um, and I always I, found I them a their, bit much. I love their stuff, to be honest. Like, Do I you? thought that debut album's like yeah. four years what? ago now. Yeah. I, I love it too. So good. None more beige. No, no, None no. None more beige. beige. Well, the whole thing is they're like, you know, from the West Coast and they just have that thing nailed of like melodic, almost Fleetwood Mackie soft rock mixed with 90s R&B. Like they can mm. write a song. They're really good. Now, this doesn't really work for me. No. <laughs> but I oh, think no. that's because they're trying to go for a different sound and the song doesn't suit it. You see, that's the interesting... I'm interested to see where this album lands because I, like you, am a big fan of Days Gone and obviously things have shifted massively in the four years since that release Mm. and not solely because of the album. It was probably 12 months before they were kind of part of like Taylor Swift's squad and hanging out with Selena Gomez and basically just introduced them to this whole new audience. Now, you wondered whether they were going to push against that in a way Mm. and kind of try to do something a little bit more mature or a bit more serious, so to speak. You feel that's maybe what's going on here. And God, it it feels interminable. Like, like it's four minutes 30 on this official video that they've released. Probably Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm, Probably about 4.10 of that is the song. And I felt like I'd been listening to it for an hour. The thing about it is, you know, it feels like this slow, you know, minimalist ballad. But the song itself and the vocal and the melody would probably suit like a kind of upbeat pop song more. It's Mm. very strange. And their approach to the vocals doesn't lend that kind of emotive thing that you're getting from the sound. So so it wants to be this slow burning, kind of quite modern sounding, almost, you know, James Blakian thing that eventually builds and there's a payoff. But apart from like two drums yeah let's take a pay off let's take a quick visit as dave liked the percussion corner (laughs) but apart from that no this i'm not into this it's quite weak Uh, i think it's trying way too hard as well and i just i i know this band do nothing for me i'm mystified by their appeal and their success i just find them incredibly vanilla and plain and dull and boring and even this kind of attempt at a sidestep is just doing nothing for me and i will agree with colm that it's long in the tooth yeah the thing is though like this this is boring 
and it's mm. pretty hookless, certainly when it's delivered at this sort of tempo. So yeah, like we know they're capable of writing songs with hooks and that are that are interesting to some people at least. But uh, yeah, I can't see how this one is going to be particularly yeah. interesting to anybody. I saw someone on Twitter say once that she was looking forward to her next smear test more than the new Heim album, <laughs> and that <laughs> hasn't left my brain. You wrote that. Oh, yeah, 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 it's true. I am. No, they're great. I just don't like the song. Am I picking a number? You are. All right, I'm going to go with number five. All right, it's Polisa. I don't know how to pronounce Polisa. it. Polisa. 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 I don't know. Polisa. Think like yeah. Barca. Think like Barca. <laughs> but that's what a Sedilla does. More like, in the yeah. club, Dave. More in the club. <laughs> that's true. This is Polisa and Boys Noise. I can pronounce that. Lipstick Stains is the name of the song. It sounds like this. Lipstick stains. We've all been there, right? <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on the collar rather than the teeth. I retract that letter. I open. <laughs> uh, what do we make of this, guys? I mean, they're obviously subscribers to the less is more policy, and for the most part, you know, it, it kind of works here. There's a nice piano ballad going on. On the Dave likes the percussion corner, or, or indeed Dave's percussion corner in general. Does it get the thumbs up? Because for me, there are some odd little pieces in here oh yeah it does yeah i really liked it uh, I, I mean I, I mean there there is a moment about one minute in where you were legit like did someone just sit on the production desk <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> yeah they've always kind of been known for that but I, they've a really you know sumptuous sound i think i like sumptuous, them. Yeah, sumptuous delectable sound. delectable it's weirdly delicious. it's weirdly mesmeric delicious. kind of as it goes on it's delicious. Are we, are we thinking of Calvin Klein perfume names now? Is that what's happening? Mesmeric by Calvin Klein. Uh, yeah, I agree. There's a hypnotic nature to this track, and that's quite why I liked it. It just has a, a very, very glossy kind of feel to it, and I liked the meandering about it. I liked the kind of just the weird weaving that it was doing. Like it didn't feel like a very conventional song. Yeah, and that's probably why I enjoyed it so much. I mean, coming after the home track, this is kind of executing what maybe home were going for to an extent, weren't they? I With think those so. Yeah. So, yeah, scenes, yeah. Um, and it, it pulls it off. Like I, I really like their debut record, which is maybe five or six years ago now. I haven't really been following their stuff, but this sounds good to me. I like those synths. They're kind of ten cc. You know, I'm not in love. Mm-hmm. Floaty, which thing. was quite surprising once yeah. you see the feature because I thought, oh, boys' noise are on this. It's going to be a banger, <laughs> and it's anything but. Like, they've it's kind contemplative. Of, they've kind of done a back and forth thing though, where yeah. police appeared in one of their tracks, and then there were remixes before that. So they're kind of familiar with each other mm. by now. Speaking of remixes, our last track of this week is someone uh, who was recently remixed by Lane May. We heard that uh, track, Sheets, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Now, Lisa Flume is lining up her own EP. This is the title track. It's called Spain.
yes, she'll be hitting the stage with Elaine May uh, to launch uh, the EPs, I guess both of them, uh, this weekend. What do we make of this title track? I like this. I mean, it, it kind of, you know, in one way it goes absolutely nowhere. But, you know, it goes far enough for me. It has that kind of man- mantric kind of quality to it where it's greater than the sum of its parts. Like, it all, you know, it all adds up to something kind of hypnotic, I think. Um, I like that she's gone electrified. She's, you know, done the Dylan thing. Um, it's just like it gives a slightly different flourish to sound. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was good. And the, the guitar picks up. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's not exactly you know a massive track by any means, but when the guitar picks up, it's just got that little yeah, bit more. And bit I do, I, I, I think you know, obviously, kind of like minimalist instrumentation and songs about heartbreak are sort of the wheelhouse here, and it's done very well. You have to say it's kind of on message in that regard, and I think the like just slightly delayed reverby vocals and maybe most of all a kind of a delivery that sounds sort of heartfelt and emotional um, yeah makes this track actually work really yeah, well the delivery I think is everything here really at least in terms of the outstanding aspects of it I really like this song and I mean it's well worn it's lived in like it reminded me of like you know an indie track like the likes of the Arctic Monkeys would write in terms of the subject matter and the, the kind of matter of fact delivery and how it goes from a point where like you know it seems like she's kind of doing alright with things and then she kind of has a thing where she says like she flashes back to that night in the street yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, man, I've yeah, fuck, we've all been that soldier. Like I was like, like really, kind of was like, yeah, like kind of just it made you feel kind of really awkward and uncomfortable for your own kind of failings in that regard. And I mean, I, like I, I feel like it doesn't it, help when Craig keeps bringing him back up. Yeah, it? it doesn't. <laughs> but uh, it was, mouth shut. but it was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked that it kind of provoked that reaction and it provoked some emotion in me. Whereas by comparison, the Heim track just provoked nothing. Yeah, uh, I really like this. I think she has very good command. She's been a very interesting kind of songwriter to keep an eye on or keep an ear on, rather, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of sidesteps it uh, with, with, with moments like this. I thought it was a very kind of challenging song for one, as Craig says, that kind of manages to be kind of contained and doesn't really have too much in the way of over-the-top production flourishes or anything. But she's got a character and it was good to hear it in this. Yeah, so between Elaine's gig uh, this weekend and Body and Soul apparently as well, she'll be making an appearance. Uh, chances to catch her live over the next little while and the EP is out this weekend. Now, this weekend as well though oh contains perhaps the most insane <laughs> yeah. music dump. It's overwhelming, isn't it? it? It's ridiculous. There's so much. There is so much. Uh, so much that we went with two albums this week. That, that's right. And I mean, we can kind of underline how much there is by looking at a few of the ones that we actually left out. Mm-hmm. Um, Kasabian? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if they're the first name that I picked from the <laughs> list. Well, I haven't heard it yet, but it's probably good. All right? I'm still, you know, holding the hope. flag holding for Kasabian, hope. my boys. Yeah, there's a, like, Blondie of a new album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Palmer, uh, Perfect Genius Perfect drops Genius, on Friday, which is very Yeah, yeah. Wigs. Black Lips have a new one out. Uh, we have Bonnie Prince. Bonnie Prince Billy. Billy yeah. Mac DeMarco. Yes. yes. Lots of music to get stuck it's into. Genuinely overwhelming. Like, it, like it's great. <laughs> Do you, I'm not that overwhelmed. Actually, it's a lot. Like, like, it's, <gasps> it's a lot. Of, like, there's, there's, there's new releases every week, of course. But this is a heavyweight day. I mean, like, like yeah. God help the PRs who are like putting together their press releases and being like, "Oh Christ, really? That's it, and that as yeah, well." Yeah, it's a lot. You know, I always feel sorry for local artists who do that, or, or even like not so local artists, but guys who kind of you know target their weekend way in advance. Yeah, and then somebody just swoops in. I can remember two albums that were due for release November twenty first, twenty fourteen, and or twenty fifteen, should I say? And then uh, Adele came along and announced her album, and everyone's just like, "Oh, for fuck's sake! Yeah, like we're yeah. never going to get a number one here ever." Anyway, we decided to focus on two of the records that are coming out. The first. 
is by uh am I doing this? You're doing this. Home nine nine oh nine. Also known as Horror. Yeah. And it's called the United States of Horror. Take a listen. Yeah, this New Jersey Devil, taken from the debut album from the, well, how on earth do you describe this? Very quickly. Post-punk, rap, hip-hop, industrial. Industrial, experimental. Metal in there. Yeah, metal, metal far more so than hip-hop, I would yeah. say. Freaks, I believe, is how they call themselves, and uh, that, that might be the neatest you can get. Also, one of them, I have to point out, used to work at YMCA summer camps with kids, which is brilliant detail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, um, you wouldn't necessarily recognise it from this record. I caught these guys at Body and Soul last year, and they made an instant impression, including when one of them did a swan dive into the crowd. Uh, one of the best live things I've ever seen, really. And I've said before on the podcast that it took me right back to my Kerrang days, but I think there's a lot more going on here than anything to be kind of, you know, quick and easy and disposable. Oh, absolutely. I think this is a fantastic record. Mm. I think it's a really, really interesting kind of... It's got a real strange aura about it. There's a point in the, I think it's three or four tracks in, where you get kind of an interlude moment where it's them in a car and they're kind of, you know, musing on the the state of, is there a God out there? Is there a higher power? And one of them very matter-of-factly is like, you know, he's like, if you take your hands off the wheel of this car, like, he's not going to come down and, and steer it back. We're going to crash. And I found that to be a really interesting kind of moment because to me, this whole album feels like you're in a car with them and you're just driving around on, on a very strange night it feels really kind of contained in that way, even though it's it bounces from genre to genre and, you know, somehow manages to all coalesce. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of this record. Can I say, it's interesting that you single out the interlude as a moment because the second interlude as well, called Feels Like, it, it actually sounds like it's going to be a great track. It sounds like it's going to be a kind of a, a West Coast jam and it turns out to just be like a kind of a minute. And But they work really well as kind of, A, I suppose, palate cleansers because especially as this album yeah. opens, you're just like, holy shit, my face is melting. <laughs> um, because, like, it, it, it is massive. And when I first put it on, I was a little bit nervous because I, you know... <laughs> But because it's I t- okay, Colin. <laughs> I t- I know, they're not. They're not inside the speakers. Um, but well, no, because like I've heard bits and pieces from this band. Some of it I've really liked. More of it I haven't. And when they were just rushing out ninety miles an hour, you were afraid of. Like in boxing, there's a term called crowding your work, where you're just too aggressive. You get too close to someone, and you're not even punching them properly anymore. I know. That's kind of how this felt. That's kind of like if you don't slow down here there's going to be a point of diminishing returns on the aggression. But they do slow down a little bit and they show versatility and, yeah, it's really impressive. It definitely has that feel of, like, you know, it's a... 80s B-movie all set during one evening horror flick type deal. Um, actually, to be honest, this rubbed me the wrong way from, like, the get-go. For, like, from the intro where you've got a kind of creepy child, you know, co-opting the US kind of Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, and then you've got a kind of co-opting of the Halloween theme, and then, like, the f- car, you know, philosophizing didn't really work for me. Um, 
And then slowly over the course of the record, maybe about halfway through, it's, it kind of clicked and started to work again. Um, like some of the early almost horror jams didn't seem shocking enough to me. Do you know what I mean? It felt almost too cartoonish. I was like, come on, lads, just just let loose. Well, I mean, even early on, like you've got Street Power, which is just like, that's a straight punk song. That reminds me of that uh, amazing Japanese band, Mad Capsule Markets. Mm. Like that, that, that's why we kind of went with that one. Yeah, but a song like Street Power, though, it, the riffage in it is a bit, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just not doing anything hugely remarkable for me. But then, as I say, when you hit something like, um, well, certainly around Splash, which I thought was a great song, and then from there, like the likes of Decay, where it's just a serrating sound, and then they properly mix it up. And as you talked about those interludes, where you think this is going to be like this grand song, and it's just a kind of palate cleanser. Mm. Uh, New Jersey Devil, which I thought was a tr- absolutely brilliant song. That's the one we just heard there, yeah, yeah. Excellent, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's such a barrage. It is, and it, it's just it's a really kind of infectious, kind of punky song as well. You could like a Misfits type thing. I think that's actually. And they seem like, so, you know, so many different bands in one throughout this. But I think that might actually be their ace theme because I don't really feel a huge allegiance to a hip hop sound here. What about, what about Hydraulics, which breaks up City Rejects and New Jersey Devil? I think Hydraulics is one of the standouts. I mean, to be perfectly honest, yeah. I was brought back to sort of like old school rock rap in, in, in on that track in particular. I, th- I think it's probably the most pure melding of the two that's on this record um, because they obviously have a lot of electronics occasionally as well, but that's kind of pushed to one side. Um, Knuckle Up sounds like it could be Run the Jewels. At least the beat of it does. Sure. Um, what else? You mentioned DK. Uh, Dave, I presume you loved the uh, little Let the Bodies Hit the Floor nod. Of course oh, I yeah. did. As <laughs> much as I did. Straight lift. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. Drowning pool. How are you about lads? Um. I mean, you can't get away from the fact that this music will be most adored by, you know, hormonal teenage boys, probably. Do you think so? Yes, I do. Oh, do you? Yeah. You see, no. I can, oh, no, I can see the, these guys. Hormonal I mean, following boys a, in their 20s and 30s. <laughs> following a kind of a death grips. Yeah, yeah. Death trajectory. Is, is, is a comparison that definitely easily comes to mind and I think that they stand on their own feet though I mean I, oh, I, oh yeah I mean musically they're not like that I was just saying they're going to like follow that idea of being a genuine like oh hardcores will, will, yeah, will love precise, this yeah, yeah they're, they're going to have a hardcore following a la your Dillinger Escape Plan your Converge that kind of thing like, like they're going to have real real diehard fans and I'm very impressed with this particularly with the narrative and where it goes and also I mean like it goes it should go without saying but we'll say it, the production is fucking incredible I mean, yeah no like, it's excellent uh, Dave Sitek is involved on, on a few tracks yeah which you know his he can be hit and miss but he you know he, he's very rarely bad at, at his job like he's very very impressive behind a, a mixing desk and I was just so surprised by the fact that it manages to jump all over the place and yet still keep me compelled for like 47 minutes or whatever it is and it has a very kind of compelling beginning, middle, and end. And I liked those kind of weird moments where, like, you know, this really distorted horror movie voice comes in and out. And I didn't find it cartoonish, and I didn't find it like it, like, like it was too derivative or too tryhard. I, I think they've managed to establish themselves incredibly well with this. And there's real, real conviction and anger here. Yeah. And it's also boxed in, though, very, very well in terms of, I guess, restraint and maturity. That's it, exactly. And, and like, you know... 
again, as this album opens, you think this sort of delivery could become very one note after a while. Yeah. But I mean, that was my fear about halfway. It wasn't the same fear as you when you were going into the record. But <laughs> yeah. No, but as we were, you know, maybe five or six tracks through, I'm like, do you know what? One of the big influences of this is like Keith Flint from The Prodigy, and this right. is just going to wear my ears off. Um, but no, the second half really lifted for me, and there's enough switch-ups in the likes of City Rejects, which is great crack. Yeah, uh, it really feels, like feels like a bad brain song. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's good fun. Uh, United States of Horror, which the we, track we talked about before. Yeah, it's probably their, it, it is their calling card. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So um, I was pleasantly surprised at how it concluded. And I kind of, in the context of it, enjoyed the first half more from then on repeat listens. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I don't I'll, think I was as enamored as you guys, but still a lot to love. I was about to say, yeah, it's actually a nice album to go back to on second and third listens when you realize, you know, okay, it's not going to be as relentless as, as you might expect the first time, or you're not going to be thrown about by some sort of strange genre hopping, that it's yeah. not going to be really incoherent, that it's actually going to be a listenable record. Once you're primed for that, really enjoyable. Plus, I think it also kind of stands up there with Health's Death Magic as a very interesting kind of meditation on life and death and mortality, and that kind of thing, without without actually being... You don't you don't actually walk away from it feeling depressed. If anything, you walk away from it feeling kind of spirited. Slightly uplifting, like, yeah. Um, it's a great record. It's a great record. Do you want to give it numbers? I'm going to go 8.5. Yeah, I'm going to go an 8 for me. I'm going to go 6.5. No, <laughs> to bring it down, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay, well, will he be more amenable uh, to our next record? <laughs> I'm tough to please, Dave. <laughs> well, there's quite a lot of pressure on this one, you have to say, yeah. because this follows what is widely <clears throat> regarded as something of a, an iconic heritage record from the year 2000, that being At The Drive-In's Relationship of Command. They're back with Interalia. It sounds like this. My eyes roll to the back of my head when the Lord stares taking in vain. Chief take Battalion Tested. Oh, they spurred Contemplate a mayhem Keeps us Branded on the wrist Do not involve us Hate my death Truancy it was Wrap me up in my heart Filthy anachronism And actually indigenous Prolong exposure To combustible Nativism So that's Hostage Stamps from the record, of which the title is a Latin phrase for among other things. I yes, yes, I think so. so hostage Stamps, they're a, a pun that only works written down. <laughs> Jesus. That's kind of true, isn't it? Hold on, wait, I'm missing the pun. Give me a second. It's like postage stamps when it's written down. Oh, of course. Do you think it's a pun? It, yeah, it doesn't work when you... Of course. Is it? Yeah, yes. when you look at it now, yeah. Oh, okay. Postage, postage. Yeah. It's only a letter off, Dave. Well, you know, I didn't see it's it until... Ter- that's terrible. Yeah, that's, it's pretty, it's, yeah. The album's lost to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, 17 years. Um, now, I will have to, you know, cards on the table, I missed the album the first time around. My kind of first awareness of some of the players on this was the Mars Volta, the Laust in the Comatorium, right. which was an, an altogether more experimental and, you know, batshit insane <laughs> kind of post um, at the drive-in album. So there wasn't that kind of pressure for me, and I could just enjoy it as a listen. And enjoy it, I did. Uh, Dave, this was a, you know, a lot of pressure on you. <laughs> nervous for the band, I'm imagining. Well, I was particularly nervous uh, when they came back from a hiatus in 2012, and some of the footage of them playing at Coachella and whatever else wasn't that great. And then they came to Dublin about a year ago at this stage, and I was like, you know, 
okay, I'm, I have to go. It's in Vicar Street, like 50 quid a ticket. I don't care. I'm in. And, you know, went there with some trepidation and it ended up being one of the best shows I've ever seen. I was like, holy shit, they still have it. They actually do have it. Like, I mean, like, it's always dangerous to go back to the well, especially when you're following up something of such strong pedigree. And I loved that gig. And it made me kind of think about this record in, in a much more kind of positive light. And I find it very, very hard to divorce Relationship of Command from this album, which I really don't like that I'm even doing that because you shouldn't. I mean, like, like I mean, well, like it is a natural thing, especially after 17 years mm-hmm. where that has been, you know, the last work to which you can refer. Well, throwing it on for the first listen was a real kind of, I had my own nerves and I was kind of sitting there, headphones on, and I'm like, it's been a nervous week. Here we go, lads. <laughs> and the first takeaway from it was, I was like, okay, it's not a dud. Sure, great, excellent. I'm very, very happy about this. And then, kind of spending a lot more time with it, I was, I've, I, I've gone kind of back and forth in terms of how much do I like this, how good do I think it is, and I do think it's very good. And I, I made the mistake, I think, of throwing on Relationship of Command yeah, after sure. one of the listens, and I was like, ah, fuck. I was like, no, the songs are not as good as the songs in this record. Yeah. They're just not. Yeah. Even I mean, though they're going for it so hard, and there's so much, there's so much conviction here. Like I was reading up on it, and like you read about what they have to say about the individual songs and about like the kind of process. Like they say they were like, we had to plug ourselves back into that mindset and like feel like we were kids in the garage again, and we were kind of working from the morning into the night. And you know, it every time we play, it feels like that first day that we played in the room together. And like, uh, there's a lot going on in these songs as well. And you cannot fault the the guys for working so hard. I mean, like, unfortunately, Jim Ward isn't here anymore, which is yeah. a shame. He's missed. I do think these songs are very, very strong. I mean, but if you compare them directly to Relationship of Command, they do feel almost like watered down. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, painting by numbers was an accusation that was being thrown about when we got the first tastes of this record, and we talked about in what was it? Um, incurably innocent yeah. on this podcast, and governed by, governed by Contagions kind of got the same sort of accusation do you think it's fair because i mean stylistically you'd have to say there are well plenty of similarities yeah i the interesting thing is uh, i mean dave when you're saying it's unfair to judge this against relationship or command i mean the band have done it to themselves by you know mm. kind of stepping in the studio again um taking that name and all that it's associated with when you consider what they've done either separately or together but just under different monikers and how expansive they've been they're kind of you know just by doing another record straightjacketing themselves and yeah, which is I a strange th- thing to say about these kind of players just because you know their their sound is such a contortion of you know post hardcore you know of punk sounds there's always like intertwining kind of awkward sounding bits that somehow sound like hooks and work and kind of yeah. get stuck in your brain but by the same token yes it is a kind of trick they've pulled before and there's a level of technical accomplishment oh, on yeah. show kind of throughout yeah um which is yeah like never compromise you figured you figured normally you would have to be to get you know all those things combined but uh it, it never is but yeah i mean is there a danger of sort of thinking about what these songs aren't rather than what they actually are. Yes, definitely. And because, like, much like you, I went back to Relationship of Command um, while I was kind of listening to this album. Not at the same time, obviously. But, it, you know, it, it obviously does stand as a comparison and one from which most records ever made are not going to come off very well, in Interalia among them. But 
then, you know, a day later, I realized that, like, call Broken Arrow, for instance, is still going around in my head. Yeah. Like, there's Yeah, I had mornings where I woke up and track. these songs were, like, just the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, oh, okay, these are strong songs, actually. Uh, Pendulum in a Peasant Dress is fantastic. It's, it's the highlight for me. Yeah. Oh, they've really pulled out the old naming songs game here, haven't <laughs> well, they? This is one of my problems with them. Yeah. cut short. I mean, it's very, like, lads, come on. I don't know. Well, I've never liked that kind of thing. Uh, you go- won't be tilting at the Univender anytime soon, no? I always am. I don't need reminding of it, right? Ghost Tape number nine is Brilliant. my, my favourite track on the record. Yeah. It's the one time when it goes into slightly Mars Volta territory yeah. in as much as being a bit of a meander. And like the story behind that uh, song is actually quite fascinating. Um, it's like, like, how do I even try and parse this down? Uh, Cedric Bixler and Zavala, the vocalist, uh, said it's one of his favourites and that he um, he's always been fascinated by psychological warfare and he stumbled across a PSYOP tape that Americans used on the Vietnamese in the Vietnam War. He said they used to put together this tape that they would play in the jungle to scare the Viet Cong. It played on the idea of what happened in their afterlife. They would record this guy with all of this heavy reverb and really scary sounds and the voice would say, don't fight anymore guys, we're going to be stuck in this limbo if you keep fighting. And he said it would really, really freak out the, the soldiers and it was called Ghost Tape Number 10. Oh, so they call theirs ghost tape number nine. Right, oh, yeah. I th- think actually that song is so good that it almost detracts from what else has come before. Uh, in contrast with ho- the horror record for me, because you kind of there are moments on these other songs where you're actually you're kind of hoping for that expansion of a Mars Volta or you know something slightly bigger to happen, and it stays very not one note because that is you know definitely not the term you'd use. Their signature style. Boxed that in. Yeah. There's moments where Cedric, like you know, you can almost see them like eyeing each other and going, "Do that shouty bit that everyone loves." You know, there's that kind yeah. of thing going on. I was more impressed I think it's by. Subconscious, I was more impressed by his kind of inflections where he kind of you know zigged where you expect him to zag, like which you get on Pendulum in the Peasant Dress and you get on yeah. Call Broken Arrow, where he just has these little. Vocal flourishes where he just kind of like takes you down a different alley than you thought he was going to and it's just like oh shit man like because like this does not in any at any point does this sound like a band resting on their laurels or whoring themselves out for like you know their old glories it doesn't sound like a bunch of dads getting back in the getting no, the band no. back together it still feels vital like it still it yeah exactly that's a great word it does feel vital and i do think that if you step away from relationship command and do as cullen says don't treat these songs as what they aren't and treat them what they are. I think they're excellent songs. I do, but I think people are going to be... I think, I think it's, it's going to be so difficult for fans to not think about relationship with Command and their relation to that uh, relationship with that record in the past 17 years. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are going to hear this album and be disappointed, but I think if they stick with this album, they will actually be like, no, hang on, this is great. Yeah. I, I I agree, and but I, I think I think no matter what they had, what, 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 what like eleven songs we got, if we got eleven different songs, it, I'd be saying the same thing. I I, I think it's so difficult to sure. remove the context from this one. I mean, the thing is as well, you know, one of the accusations, like I say, that had been labelled at the you know first couple of singles that we heard was that they were box ticking exercises, which obviously sounds massively dismissive. It is massively dismissive when you say that of any band, but when you consider the amount of boxes. That, that we're talking about here, you know, or, or, or the level to which it has to actually reach yeah. to be considered in that regard. This is pretty good. Yeah, like, the, as I say, the so- songs are strong. The one thing I will say is the guitar tone for you guys, there was something very samey about the guitar, I thought. There was just something that, I don't know, just that the the tone alone for me was just like well you, on the first track no wolf like the present and i think on continuum as well the track that follows there's this little kind of um what's the word i'm looking for is it, there's a technique that's used and it's it kind of has like um, I, I think it's like pinch harmonics and yeah i do su- that, yeah. surprisingly it sounded a bit cheap 
It sounded all, like that. That was the one thing. Like there are moments where the guitar isn't quite working with what else is going on. There was one, yeah, thought, yeah. That, that was the one aspect in particular, like w- w- with the guitar, where I was like, "Oh, well, this sounds like someone doing an Arthur Driving impression, an yeah. Arthur Driving yeah, song." I and know. I wonder how much Peculiar. of that. I wonder how much of that is Jim Ward not being here. Yeah, yeah that, that is a, possible. Point, yeah. Like, um, yeah, obviously that's going to affect the guitar. Although it must be said that uh, musically, at least, if not tonally. Uh, they do seem to be a very much a well-oiled machine at this point. Oh yeah, you can argue with that. Uh, um, all right. Yeah, I mean, Dave, <sighs> twist your arm. Scores. Yeah. I mean, like this is. I haven't written my review yet, and I'm like going back and forth in this one. Oh, don't tell us then. Home. <laughs> 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 Uh, I'm going 7.5, but my 7.5 is as strong as a 7.5 as I've ever given. Like, it's just shy of an 8. Right. Yeah, I mean, mine is probably a 7. Yeah, I'd probably Dead. go 7. I would have gone 7.5, but that postage stamps hostage something. Yeah, oh, seven. come on. I'm only joking. <laughs> oh, it is 7, though, yeah. Okay. World no 7s. Uh, <laughs> luckily, we didn't break that one out for the, for this time. But yeah, so much music to delve into. I haven't even bothered to prepare anything for alternate listening. <laughs> oh no, I was about to say, yeah, I mean... It, Fuck that. Yeah, Frank. I'm still listening to Kendrick. It's a great album. Yeah. 8.5. 7.5. Eight Sticking with it. 7.5. 8.5, I think, yeah. yeah. You can't change your score, Craig. I just did. You can't. I'm changing everything, <laughs> right? I need to change the bass. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's get back to normal. Back to normal service. Yes. Give us some exit music, Dave. I will. Uh, I really like the new EP from Floor Staff. I'm not sure if you guys have heard it yet, Mm-mm. but a uh, very interesting kind of musical mechanics going on here. Musical mathematics, I might even say. Uh, kind of pop music with a really accomplished vibe from it. And uh, yeah, I got sent this via email. No, no fax. No fax machine for me. And uh, I had seen I had seen people kind of talking about it and uh, getting a bit of hype. And I'm glad that I took the time in this busy musical week to get acquainted with this because it's a really, really good EP. You should check it out. This song is called A Love Sublime. My name is David Hanrady. And my boys, Craig Fitzpatrick and Colin Regan. Hey. Hey, that was fun. It was fun. Let's do it again sometime. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the song before stop. It's great.
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My back is sore, for I have slapped it so hard. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.